Hey yo, we about to tear it up. Welcome to the Breaking Atoms podcast where we break things down to the very last compound. My name is my name and my name is Chris Mitchell, a.k.a. The Actual Factual. As always, shout out to Summit, the failed homo sapien. He is out and about moving and shaking somewhere out there. He couldn't be here today, but he does send his love and his greetings. Today's guest is someone who is a friend of the show. And in a short space of time, he's become a friend to me. Um, I came across his writing work earlier this year and I was quickly impressed by his wit and his perspective. Plus, he writes in complete sentences. Trust me, grammar as a whole is very underrated these days. His name is Thomas Hobbs and his writing credits are longer than the OJ trial, but you can witness his pen game for yourself in Vice, Guardian, Pitchfork, Time Out, Little White Lies, Dazed and many more. He calls himself a freelance pop culture journalist, but he's just a good dude with a heart for culture and community. We spoke about developing his writing, immersing himself in the music listening experience, problems with the structure of the journalism sector and other scandalous matters. If you're sensitive and you have feelings that get hurt easily, you are welcome to leave. But if you stay, you may hear something that will change your life. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, dogs, cats, people with jobs and people without jobs. This is Thomas Hobbs on the Breaking Atoms podcast. Check it out. Mr. Thomas Hobbs, welcome to the Breaking Atoms podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I have to, um, I always refer to people that I respect as either Mr. or Ma'am or, you know, Lord or, you know, God MC, whatever, if we're talking about Jay-Z, pun intended. Um, but no, it's, I'm really happy to have you on the show. Um, I know we've spoken outside of podcasting and social media stuff and i think it's it's very rare in life where you can you can just strike up a a a relationship with someone that feels totally natural totally comfortable and i feel in some weird way i've known you longer than i actually have that's crazy man maybe we did meet in another lifetime but no the, the respect is mutual i think um yeah i really respect what you guys are doing with the show as well and everyone is tuning in make sure you check out our reasonable dad documentary you're looking sick thank you bro thank you bro so let, let, let's let's start with you man um let's take it back to the beginning how did you first come into contact with hip-hop culture and who are some of the artists that caught your attention it's a really good question um i don't know like i think for me the first hip-hop that like really really resonated was definitely probably tupac like i think there was just something about the way he processed pain and hurt which Although I, you know, couldn't directly relate to in any way. Like, like I still think he tapped into it in a way that was quite universal. I'm nervous speaking about this because I don't speak about it often, but my dad died when I was four. And my mum, you know, she worked like five, six jobs. Um, and I never really saw like pop culture. I never really saw like British pop culture really celebrating single mothers at that time. It was almost like being a single mother was a kind of, something to be like, I don't know, tired about. Do you know what I mean? And Tupac was one of the only rappers for me who like, re- well, one of the first rappers who really celebrated single mums. And that really related to me. But I guess he was a conductor that then kind of pushed me into like, I don't know, big puns, capital punishment. I was studying it. Every bar, Outcast, AT Aliens as well. Like, I just love how psychedelic the beats were. Like, 
Doggy Star by Snoop, Internal Affairs by Pharaoh, uh, fucking uh, Illmatic, Low End Theory. I just started basically just like studying these 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 albums and just like getting deeper and deeper into them. But I, I don't know, like I just certain songs that just really lifted me. Like it's like a real throwaway moment. I don't know if you, I'm sure you have heard like Get Out My Way by Cormega. Which oh, is just, listen, I love, I love Cormega. Get Out My Way. Yeah, that beat's crazy. Yeah, crazy. like that beat is just crazy. But I always remember there's a bit in it where at the start, I don't even know if it's Cormega. I think it might just be a sample, but it's like straight out the borough at the start. And whenever I'd hear yeah, that. Yeah, that's, 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 um, yeah, that's the intro. That's cut in. Yeah, yeah. I always felt like just like 19 foot tall whenever I heard <laughs> just that thing. And like, mm-hmm. it was just crazy. Like, it, it just things like that would just, like, I remember I used to go to like Fort Park. Um, <laughs> and like, if I was scared on a roller coaster, I would just like think of get uh, that bit straight out the borough in my head. And it made me feel, Less scared, which is a weird, weird memory. But um, I don't know. Like, I guess, I guess. Sorry to have a long winded answer, but when two no, go ahead, bro. What is it we all fear? Reflections in the mirror. When I heard lines like that, because I was grieving, it was like that shit was just like wow. Like mm. it, it almost like I had no one to speak to. So it was like you know, it kind of forced me to um, to actually look at the reflection in the mirror, realize what are the things I'm scared about, and. Um, and yeah, and I, and I guess I guess the thing I got from studying the music was like, this is fucking avant-garde stuff. Like this is culture, human culture leading art. And yeah, at that period when I, because I was reading Rolling Stone from a young age, like it was, they only gave eight page long read treatments to fucking some cunt like Eric Clapton. Like, <laughs> like, like that, that was it. And <laughs> and I and I honestly just thought it, that made me feel more like hip hop, like a connection to it because it just it, I, I, it annoyed me that it wasn't being spoken about like music by him. Mm, fuck, mm. fuck Eric <laughs> I mean, you know what? It's um. I know you mentioned the uh, the Jay Z documentary. And I'm not trying to talk about myself, but that's a big motivation for us because we're thinking. Well, you know, I remember having um dinner with my neighbor when you moved when i moved into my new flat and we went over there and she was like you know what you into yada 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 and i said oh you know like i'm a really big jay-z fan i can't remember how i got around to that and she was like oh but he's a drug dealer and she just dismissed him and i don't know if she she knew his story i doubt it but that's something i always carried with me and it's like well you know yeah he might not have been you know an angel the perfect person or he still he probably still isn't but to just say he's a drug dealer and to dismiss yeah. All the, the the art and the good he's put into the world as an artist and an activist and you know all that kind of stuff. That, 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 that yeah, and that bothered me, and I've carried that energy ever since. So um, yeah, I'm gonna have to do my own version of like hit him up towards love, my neighbor. I love something. that. <laughs> Fuck your neighbor. <laughs> so you know, you talk about you. You strike me as someone you know. You like to you study. You immerse yourself like you've you've listed capital punishment. You've spoken about illmatic. You man, in, internal affairs like like this is. This is not hip hop for for the weak hearted. This is this is proper stuff. Who who are your top five rappers? It's, it's such a hard thing for me to answer. I'm going to try because it changes. I'm here to annoy you. Go it, ahead. It changes every week. If I say more than five, then I'm sorry. But say I'll, whoever comes to mind, bro. I would say like Pup sits for me like above everybody else. Like I'm not saying that he's technically the best rapper because I don't think he is. But it's the same way that. Um, the Beatles sit above every other rock band. Like those guys couldn't read sheet music. They played off feeling and emotion. Like 
there's much technically better artists out there, even as legendary as the Beatles are. It's just a fact, but there was something about the feeling and emotion. So I think like Tupac, like probably one. I, then I would say like the actual list because Tupac sits above the list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like Prodigy, number one of from Mob Deep. Um, I, I just felt like that guy created a new language and he literally did. Yeah, li- literally. In the sa- like the same way people talk about Ulysses by James Joyce. Like again, like fucking whole college courses on it. One day, I hope there'll be one on Prodigy and the way he put language together. Number two, I would say, um, Ofri Greedo, 100%. Like, I, I just don't think there's another artist in hip hop who can go in a, in a studio and in one day, one 15 hour session, record 50 songs and four, at least 45 of those songs are incredible. And I, I, anyone who, who, who hears the name Ofri Greedo and doesn't recognize it, just listen to him. Trust me, you'll love him. Danny Brown, Will probably be number three i just think danny is an icon every album sounds different like david bowie like he's just the man like free stacks will be up there i just appreciate the way he puts words together like the way he sounds um and i would say at the moment i would say number five would be roots maneuver um i feel like roots maneuvers legacy has been disrespected i feel like UK music critics don't even like talk about him as a legendary artist. It's almost like he's forgotten about. Why is that? That guy innovated constantly. And I think the genesis of what it means to be British can be found in um, that cheese on toast lyric that he has. Like, Oh, it embodies it. It embodies what being British is, you know? Like, I'd, outside of those guys, though, like people like Rock Marciano, Cool G Rap, Lauren Hill, Nas, um, Jay-Z, but big pun as well, like big pun, like, um, it's funny. My nephew was around the other day. He's only like nine. And I was, he was listening to some like tongue twister. You know, you got those like corny white influencers who will try and sound like rap god by Eminem. <laughs> he was playing me. He loved it. And I, I wasn't going to shit on, you know, like a nine year old kid. This is terrible. Like I wasn't going to do that. Cause like, I'm not an awful person. I promise. But, um, I put on big pun twins with fat Joe and like showed him the dead in the middle of Little Italy. Little did we know that we riddled two middle men who didn't do deadly. And like he heard it and he was mesmerized. And like, I don't know, that I love that. Like it was just like yeah, that moment. That guy, and it sounds like the future. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%, 100%. No, that's a, that's a, that's a really good list. It's varied. And I, I want to definitely talk to you about O3 Greedo. Um, later in Sorry, Future 2, Future Hendrix, 100%. I miss Future out. I'll be sad if I listen back and I'm like, didn't mention Future. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It's all good, man. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know much about Future. I'm going to be honest with you. I only know um, Codeine Crazy. Is that what it's called? Yeah. And um, Mask Off. I would say he's the howling wolf of hip hop. Like that guy. What do you mean by that? I, I mean, he's singing the blues over trap beats. Like he, he is, he is showing his pain but because it's wrapped up in the excesses of the lifestyle some i feel like some people are like that's not that's not real hip-hop like that that's not lyrical but it's like just listen to the pain in his vocals listen to like listen to the kind of like battle i think between like the devil and the angel on your shoulders i feel like future does that in a really good way okay i've never actually considered him to be a hip-hop artist though yeah, I know what you're saying, but I, I think fundamentally it is rap. Like, it's mm. really melodic rap. 
But mm, no, it's something for me to actually think about because I've never considered. I mean, I don't even know what I would call future. I don't know enough to call him anything. I'm really. going to send you my um, emo future playlist. And no, I'll, please do. Whenever you're sad, man, put that on. You'll, you'll no, be- please do, man. I'm sad like four days of the week, bro. <laughs> oh, man, five days for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know when we spoke on the phone, you said something that really intrigued me. And I'm actually going to follow suit. You said that you listened to the Rolling Stone top 500 albums. Yeah. I thought that was an ingenious idea because not only will you get to enjoy some good music, but you'd get to enjoy like a breadth of different types of music. Yeah. Why did you decide to undertake such such a massive project? I just felt like, and I did this probably when I was like, I think I must have been about 10. Um, and I did it because um, I, I always remember, I can't remember where I heard it, but it was this quote like where it's like, you can't be a good writer if you're not a good reader. And it's like, you have to read like a lot to, to be able to write. And I just think the same approach happens with music. And I, I want to try and I want to, I just wanted to understand like how different genres worked, like how songs were put together, the, the emotional depth um, in each of those tracks. Like I remember I was listening to like um, music from the Big Pink, from uh, the band Chelsea Girl by Nico, Bitches Brew by Miles, and then The Chronic by Dr. Dre. And through listening to all of those and working down that list, it was like, I started to like not see music in genre as much as well. Um, so yeah, I would say it was for me, it was just kind of like, I just really wanted to like, truly understand the thing that I was obsessed by. And like, mm. I'm not saying like, you know, there's so many more albums than just the 500 Rolling Stones. But when I was that age, it was like, do you know what I mean? Like that, that could be a good target. That could be a good way in, yeah. Yeah, no, that's actually I, when you told me that, I was like, why haven't I done this? Like, <laughs> I re, I re, I really should do that, and I'm actually going to do it. How long did it take you to go through? Oh man, the whole that, list that probably took a, a few years. Yeah, like I, because okay. I, I that was back when HMV would sell CDs for like twenty. You know that. Yeah, and like my internet connection was shit, so it was like I would download stuff. It was like very uh-huh. close. So yeah, um, I didn't know if I had an internet connection there. I can remember having an internet connection when the Sega Dreamcast came out. That's about it. But, um, oh wow! <laughs> I think no, I still got. I think I still got a Dreamcast at my mum's place, actually. Yeah, man, that's a classic console. But I just, underrated console. Yeah, like I just think listening to those different albums is just so important. It's just variety is the spice of life for me. It's like if you, if you, um, if you like listen to JPEG Mafia, then why can't you listen to Bad Brains? Like, if you if you listen to. Um, a tribe called quest and why don't you listen to donald bird like if you're listening to kanye west why are you not listening to jill scott haram because this is the lineage of this music and for me it's like that's one thing that maybe is just missing from culture period like people don't want to take the time to appreciate that lineage and what 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 was the inspiration because i just feel like once you can see that lineage it just it's just more enjoyable because it's like Mm. That little synth, it's like, yeah, that's from, uh, I don't know, that's from Sly and the Family stuff. Like, you can just hear it more. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, it brings the music to life. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, one of the things I really realised working my way down that Rolling Stone list was just how prominent um, the white gaze was in, in music criticism. And, you know, I'm a white writer saying that, so on some level that's hypocritical. But what I mean by that is there weren't many hip-hop albums on that list. And because I like rap as well, started to make me a bit mad. It was like, I worked my way down 500 albums and you're telling me there's less than like 10, 15 hip hop albums and 
um, at the point I was reading it and it just got me annoyed and like I started to like learn about more about like rock criticism and I remember I read like Lester Bangs's like stuff when I was quite young and I just kind of felt like the same way he would write about Blue Train but, uh, by Coltrane like I wanted to write about AZ's Do, Do or Die with that same respect like like that for me was important so it was like I don't know that that I guess that's how the Rolling Stone thing is maybe connected to me then once to, to go into hip hop a bit more. Mm. I think I write about all music. Like like one week you might see me write about Joan Crawford fighting a caveman. Like the next week it might be something about like serial killer fandoms. Um so and then it might be something about hip hop. So I always try and do different things. But hip hop's the thing that really like stirs me because it's like I'm tired of all these years of people getting paid handsomely to write about hip hop culture like it's wrestling like like superfluous bullshit and it's like history is just not gonna look back on that fondly so like for me it's like if i interview um an artist even if they've got one mixtape out but i think that mixtape is an incredible rap mixtape i'll interview them like they're a historical figure because at the end of the day that's what they're going to be do you know what i mean so i think i think that rolling stone thing it just made me like respect music more Mm. As a as a hip hop fan and a diehard wrestling fan, <laughs> I need you to elaborate on what you just said. Yeah, writing about hip hop like wrestling. Yeah, I, I don't I don't necessarily get what you mean. Can you can you paint that picture for me a bit better? What I mean by that is, you know, there's lives at risk here. Like like you're you're talking about artists who come from from nothing, from dangerous communities and. It, you're writing about rivalries between rappers, which turn deadly. Like, gotcha. Like there are Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock feud, and you are. I don't know. I saw a piece recently, and it was just just made me angry. It was like it claimed to be a pop smoke tribute, but the piece was like making all these like jokes about the saying the word woo and woo to the woosters and all this shit. And it's like I'm not saying music journalism can't be fun, but it's like show some respect of like where pop smoke came from like show some understanding of the social element of it like if you're writing an article about pop smoke then you should read a book about brooklyn and where he's from carnacy like like put the research in because you might think right now like it's good to like get that article up but i just think in 20 30 40 years people are going to look back and be like you thought it was funny making a joke about a 20 year old who died in a mansion. Like, like, I don't know. Like it just, a lot of it leaves me with a bad taste. It's like, yeah, I'm with you. It's like, cause they're young black, black artists. Like their pain is easier to treat. Like it's a fiction entertainment to some people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. People taking bets on drill, drill feuds. What the fuck is that? Like, like people, that's happening now. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, is this person gonna die next? Like, I saw some wow. odds on YouTube. Like, to a lot of people, they 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 see this as fun, and, and like the respect's just not there. And I used mm. to read articles about the Biggie and Tupac feud, like even in like the Source and XXL, like like back 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 in the day. And I felt like even some of those were doing it. And it's just I don't know. Like that's one of the reasons why I think music journalism's in a good place right now. So I think people are realizing you can't do that. Okay, so music journalism, you say it's in a good place, but tell me, when, when did you decide, all right, listen, I want to write for real, and how did you develop a love for writing at, in, in the beginning? 
so my dad passed away, as I said, and um, my nan, like, basically, his mother basically became, like, everything to me. Like, other kids were going out on the weekend, and I was just staying in with her, and she would buy me, like, five magazines. Every single week that I would go there, she'd give me five magazines, and that would just... I was just reading everything from, like, Rolling Stone to the Rep WF official magazine, um, XXL... Um, Games Master. <laughs> Nintendo. I remember that. Yo, Games Master was hard. Uh, I games. wanted to go on that show, you know. Oh, with that big man's head. <laughs> Brav. Games Master and Funhouse. Yeah, those were the shows. Like, I don't know if I remember Funhouse, but Games Master. Funhouse had the um the go-karts at the end, bro. You can just drive around in the Funhouse, bro. But they never they never had black kids on the show. But that's another that's another episode that I've already done. But proceed. Fucking BBC. Um, but no. Um my nan would make me read magazines and like um it just made me feel like I'd like to try and do this. And in all honesty, like when I was a teenager, I was, I was like on rap forums a lot. And these were like battle raps, like people writing like text battle raps against one another. And I, I loved it. I was just in love of it and like writing raps. And then I guess in a way, sometimes when you write an article, you want those moments like in a verse, like, but yeah, I, I would write down lyrics. I've got, I found like an A5 sheet of paper recently. I wrote all the lyrics to I'm ready by Dipset, um, I was just trying to like analyze the rhyme schemes, and I just, I guess, I just slowly started writing more and more and more. And like, I went to uni, did a course, um, which I didn't necessarily um, feel was like the right fit for me. And it took me a while. Like for years, I was writing for like business magazines, um, and that's no like diss to the business magazines. Like I had some great experiences, but like it wasn't what I wanted to do. Like I was writing about like broccoli growers or like I was interviewing the CEO of Tesco and and other people were like oh that was exciting and I just got nothing from it so uh, I got to a point where I was like actually like I want to do the music writing I just want to do it my whole life people told me I couldn't do it oh no that's for people who go to this university or you know you do the business writing it's easier all this stuff and I just made the decision decision to just go in and and do it and I, and I just kept building from there, man. Like I got my first byline and just kept building and building. I would just say anybody who wants to go into writing, all I did was I made it, put a list on my wall, 10 publications, and I gave myself a year to write for all of those publications. And by the end of that year, I wrote for six. So like just get a target and just hit it. And that's kind of what I did, I would say, yeah. Is it still a thing where if you want to, because I'm, I'm a failed journalist, I've got a, a journalism degree that I never put to use. Is it still a thing where, you know, you have to kind of emulate the voice and the tone of the publication you want to write for? Or is it more now you can just go in there with your own voice and people are going to rock with you if you're a good writer? Yeah, it's a difficult one, that, because there are definitely some publications which will, like, edit all the personality out of a writer's copy and just, like, and just like I don't know, I have this kind of clickbait stuff, um, but... I do think there's a lot more titles which do respect writers writing in their own voice. I do think long-form content, people are realising the value in it on certain subjects. So I think it's very important to have your own voice. It's very important to be like, right, like I've just read seven reviews and every single one of those reviews has described this album as cathartic. <laughs> like, is that I really, do like that word though, you know. It's a good word, but it's definitely become like fucking, I don't know, like yo. Like um it's it's become <laughs> overused. Like what's the what's the word? Cohesive. Yeah, it's just become overused. So for me it's like finding your voice is like I'm not gonna say that. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna like 
say how the music makes me feel. I'm not just going to mm. say the cliche. And it's like describing that feeling, I feel, feel like is, um, yeah, really, really important, I guess, to like find your voice. But like, I do think there's publications out there that do let writers write in their own voice. Like, but it's just sometimes it could be hard to, to build up to them, kind of. And like, it's been tough. And um, it, like, it, it, I'm not going to lie and, and sit here and be like, it's an easy thing to do. Like, I feel like in many ways I've had to like work so much harder than um i don't know like some people have to work and it's exhausting because i see people get like in all honesty like get it's good they deserve the praise they're great writers but they're people who i know have like dads who are trust fund managers and they've never paid rent in their whole life and it's like uh, you're seeing me produce one to two articles per week for five years while not having a pile of money to fall back on having people that really depend on me and I, I just wish, I wish like there was more respect um, because you look at the stats, you look at the fact that there's such little working class representation like in the UK media industry. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I feel like I still have to shout louder. Like it's like sometimes, and that's what annoys me like a little. Mm. Like I'm, I'm not even comparing my struggle to like to like non-white writers, for example. Like, like clearly that's on another level, but I, I still f feel a bit like in the UK in particular, like the balance maybe isn't quite there still like at all. Like, and it, 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 for me, that's like why, like I'm putting hours of my time, like into helping young writers. Like it's because when I started out, I, I was trying to find my voice. There wasn't anyone that took the time to get on the phone with me and speak to me. Not one person. I emailed hundreds of people. Um, and, many of them now like oh great article and like like my things but it's like you weren't there for me when i needed you and it's like the only way we're going to address this balance that like less 10 percent of this whole industry is is like working class backgrounds non-white backgrounds whatever like i think the stats for non-white backgrounds are even worse it's like 98 percent white people the only way is by helping the next generation and, I, and and what you said about finding your own voice if you've got your own voice, it shouldn't matter what anybody else has to say. I'm not, I'm not threatened by anybody because I've got my own voice. I've got my own opinions. So let, why would you then be scared about teaching somebody else how to earn money, teaching someone else to find their own voice? And I think there's a lot of competitiveness. There's a lot of people who are almost kind of like scared. They think, oh, they'll take my um, position. And, that's, and, and I feel like that's the wrong thing to do. Like I've done over 100 hours now of, of it and... I love it. Two hours of my, every week of, for the last two, two, three years, I would say, I, I, I've been like on the phone call with a writer. And it's like, that's what I want to happen. I want, it's all right finding your own voice, but help someone else find their voice. Like success isn't like, um, isn't like I got a byline writing a, a big article about somebody. Success is like, I, you know, somebody I spoke to is now earning money and has confidence. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. That's the stuff I feel really passionate about when it comes to that that question, like how do you find your own voice? That's dope. I was actually going to touch on these points later on in the interview, but I'm going to follow the vibe now. So, why why do you? Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to play devil's advocate, Thomas. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you said you don't have a pile of money. You have to do two articles a week. You've been banging them out for like five years. Most people would tell you. Work, you got to do it for yourself, bro. Don't don't try and help other people. Like, but mentorship, I think, is more than just 
because yeah. I, I mentor. I don't think it's more. I, I don't think it's just about helping people get jobs or right, like kind of rising their careers. Kind of helping people in a way that you didn't necessarily get support and you're passing information and knowledge on. What are some of the the success stories? Can you give me some specific examples about people who you've helped or mentored without giving away too much information where you can say, you know what, as a result of mentoring them, they've now achieved this or I've contributed to that success? Well, I said before, like, uh, I don't know, let's say I said before 150 plus hours. I'd say at least like half of those people, I'm not crediting myself directly, but they've emailed me afterwards and been like, I've written for this publication. The call really helped. Like the success stories, I would say, I worked on like, like two two writers like based in Africa who um, who didn't have like any access to any help and like were not very confident. And like I sat and basically helped structure pitches for them, and they landed those pitches like at major titles. Like there's like a girl who's really depressed and she's about to quit writing and take a job like in in mcdonald's there's nothing wrong with working in mcdonald's by the way but like um <laughs> but like um like and she she literally like then started just banging out pictures and getting articles so the, 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 you know there's lots of people like that and it's just you know i just i just i, I love it like i love helping mm. the people and just for me i want to create a network i want to get loads of writers in, involved in this and to give their time because there's nothing more irrelevant you can be than somebody who blocked the next generation from finding their voice. And uh, I, I just think you can tweet about it all you want, but if you're not actually like putting the hours in and helping these people and not in a superfluous way, not in a way where it's like they get you on the phone and like you act like you're better than them because like, let's just get, let's just get this completely straight. Right. Music journalists aren't fucking cool. Like, too many music journalists think that they are as cool as the artists that they cover. I'm not cool. Look at me. Like, I'm not. I'm just a normal fucking guy. Like, and this is the big problem. This is the big problem for me. Like, they, they're too scared to help people because they're too in love with, with themselves. And it, it upsets me because it's like, your job is to record history. Your job is to record history. Stay out of that history. Don't insert yourself inside of that history give your view on the music process what it's like to be a fan but like don't carry yourself like that you're on par with, with the people you interview because it, it's just i, I just promise you it's not going to age well and it's going to prevent you from seeing other people that need help and uh, just all of that stuff like i, I, I don't like and it's like i'm hip, hypocritical because I, i'm i'm being interviewed on the show but like to tell you the truth like I don't want to do any more interviews. Like I just want to be known purely for the writing that I put out because I think there's too many people in love with the idea of like building up personal brands and in you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, that's cool. But like, like there's a crisis in this country in music, in, in not in music, music journalism, journalism period. There's a crisis right now um, of um, nepotism, of inequality, of classism, of racism um you know you it's cool tweeting out the stuff but put the hours in just help people like you can do it it's easy like i'm doing it let's all do it and let's and let's like fucking let's change the whole thing up like that's what i want to do you know what i like your energy bro i like i like your energy i i, I knew you in a previous life you know 
<laughs> I know you. I know who you are, bro. I know who you are. I, I love. Doubt. I love it. <laughs> no, I know. I know who you are, bro. Like I'm. I'm gonna call you an honorary Jamaican. We'll take <laughs> you. We'll take you. We'll take you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I know you got a lot of love for O3 Greedo. Yeah. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. Yeah. Look. See what I mean? O3 Greedo shirt. Like I only know this guy. I saw a Vlad TV interview. Yes, I watched Vlad TV, and I felt dirty afterwards. But I'm an addict. So. I watched the interview and he got 20 years and I'm thinking like, wow, like what did he do? But then when I spoke to you, you kind of, you, you, you showed me a different side to him, his story and his music. And I'm going to read something that you said in a text to me and I'm going to put your business out there. You said, Greedo is just like a hood Phil Collins. He will make you start a mosh pit, cry, and then feel like you're floating. (laughs) What is it about O3 Greedo's music that you love so much? And why is he so important, in your opinion, in terms of our culture and where it stands today? He represents everything about, um, everything that's unjust and unbalanced about the idea of the American dream. He came from, like, absolutely nothing. Like, I mean, this guy was homeless. Like, he's been through, like, everything you can think of. And has continued to create this music that's just like just impossible to define like on some you've got trap stuff emo stuff gangster rap stuff but you've also got some of the most like pained songs like just just blues soul like he can just do anything and 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 we're talking about an artist who can walk in the booth and record 50 songs in one session like he did that he does that every every day he was on the run from the law he was due to go in prison and he was just recording 50 songs a day when he went he, right now he's got about four or five thousand songs in the lab ready to go and you might hear that and you might think to yourself right well most of these songs have got to be like not very good like the, the quality as someone who raps like yourself like the quality after you get past 10 might be a bit bad it might be but trust me Every one of them could be a national anthem in Los Angeles. Like, 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 literally, he, he doesn't write any of his raps down. He he walks in. It's like he's been touched, man, by like some sort of higher power of some kind. Like when when I hear him speak, when I hear his voice, just how perfectly auto tuned it is. How it's kind of a bit like I don't know. Like I can't compare it to anybody, but I just think he's he's got everything. And when I was researching it, I just to me, it felt like so often guys like Greedo, they don't fully get validated by the music press until they're dead or they're not here. Like when it comes to like artists who really come from the bottom and from the slums, as Greedo says, like, like is like we're not gonna like look at Nipsey Hussle. Like how many people were like constantly writing about Nipsey Hussle mixtapes while he was alive, but then he gets murdered, and I, it just felt to me like Greedo was in prison, but. Outside of Jeff, who Jeff Wise, who's like, like some, one of the rare people I would consider a mentor. Like, um, not shout out to him. I I really respect his work and what yeah, one hundred percent. Like he's a he's a legend of this of this whole thing. But um, there weren't a lot of people like writing, and I just I just felt like it was important. It's just important, and I can just listen to his music for any mood. Like if I am upset, I put his music on. If I've just like smoked a bowl and I want to relax in the fucking bath, like there's no better song than substance to put on. Like mm. if I want to like, I don't know, like play something while I'm in the car, like getting ready, um, we'll go down a treat. Like 
I, I would just encourage everyone to listen to him. The thing is, is right now he and Draco the Ruler are the kings of West Coast rap. Like, there's just no question about it. But to me, they're as important to, to West Coast rap right now as Tupac and Snoop were in 1995, like that big. But, you know, one of them is still in prison on a bullshit case. The other was in prison in solitary confinement, basically 20 hours, 24 hours a day, sometimes for months. Like, so it's dampened their ability, I guess, to really get in that slot. But for me, it's like, they're going to be in that slot. So like, if I'm not writing about O3 Greedo right now, like he's, he's a fucking God of this, of this thing, of this thing. Then, you know, 50 years from now, I'm going to be, if I'm still alive, I'm going to be ashamed. I'm going to look back and be like, I missed this. Like that, that, that's, that's the reason I love Greedo. Yeah. <laughs> is he like, is he a fight in his case? Like, is he, cause I, I think he got like what, 20 years. Yeah. Like, like he, he, he's eligible for parole like this year. And like, Okay. Could could get out, but yeah, like that that's the maximum of what it could be. And he, you know, he's just been through a lot in his life. And I, I just have a connection with him. Like he's somebody I consider a friend. Like he's somebody I consider um just one of the most incredible people I've ever met. Like in all honesty, like the, the you know, I could go on all day about Greedo, but I just hope that the people who listen in like really listen and check out his music. Like, trust me, like he he is one of the most important rappers of this era. Like, and he's, and yet he's in prison and has been for so many years. Like, imagine having that strength, that that spirit to just keep going. And I mean, this year he's got an album coming out with Ty Dolla Sign, which is going to be like wow, the best R and B hip hop crossover. Like, trust me, like if you wanna <laughs> if you wanna play like some hip hop that would be the right kind of mood for like I don't know, just a night in with your girlfriend or whatever. I think that album will be the one to put on. <laughs> Ty, Ty Dolla Sign's story always fascinates me. I remember when um, I realised that he was the same Ty and Corey that used to sing with Black Milk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, that's like a sick reinvention, you know? Oh, my God, he's the best. I interviewed him um, last year and he was, um, yeah, he's, he's just like a crazy guy. Like the amount of weed he consumes is crazy too. <laughs> he's, um, I, I underrated him as an artist though, and I'll tell you why. I watched this show. Um, It was called, it was like some... Like where they break down certain songs. So the show it broke down um Losing My Religion, REM, and they they did a breakdown on LA by Ty Dollar Sign. And when I heard him break down like the different sections of the song, what inspired this piece, and just the effort he went to to make that song like hiring a string section, he said he spent like sixty grand of his own money just to and I'm just like, you know what? I can really appreciate that kind of dedication to, to, to the craft. And I went back and I listened to the song and I'm like, this song is crazy. It kind of, I listened to it before and I'm like, yeah, this is cool. But I appreciated it in like in, in a whole new way. He, he's dope. He's dope. One second, bro. Why are you interrupting my interview, bruv? <laughs> I just came to say hello. Hey, bro. Good, man. Summit, meet Thomas. Thomas, meet peace, Summit. Peace, peace, bro. Peace, bro. Hey man, I just want to say hello. I'm really sorry I, I wasn't able to to be there with Chris. I just want to say what's up. I really appreciate you, man. You know, keep doing what you're doing and 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 keep this in, Chris. Fuck all the haters. Man. It's all good. I, lo- you know I, lo- I love I love you guys and what you're doing. And yeah, we'll do something at some point. Hundred percent. Summit doesn't um, Summit doesn't eat meat, and I've never seen him drink a beer, so he he can't rock with us. <laughs> he can't rock with you, us. You see me drink rum. You see me drink some rum. So when did you drink rum, bro? 
I'm a, I'm a leaving doing my freestyle. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You slipping yeah. your bowl of Doritos still? Yeah, I respect it. I respect it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I respect. I just, I just want to. I just, I genuinely just want to say what's up, and I really appreciate Thomas, man. That like, it's surreal. Like, it's very important that we have a collective of people who are like-minded who care about the culture, um, and that's very important to us. So, yeah, salute. But I just didn't want to. I didn't want to not say hello or jump in at some point. So I just got off the train, um, and I'm heading to to now drive back to. To, to the upside down world. Well, I was going to say what's up. Nah, man, it's good to see you. And, and, uh, and yeah, well done on that, um, on that, uh, on hosting the Central Source Festival too. That was sick. No, I appreciate it, man. I missed that one, one time, but those guys, those guys are my people, man. I love them. They're, they're, they're a group of people. Um, again, like us, very much like us, man. So I didn't mean to interrupt Chris, man. That's uh, all good, man. Say, what's up? Um, just give me a call when you're finished and Thomas, man, keep doing what you're doing, bro. Like, seriously, fuck them, man. Fuck the colonizers. Keep this in. Fuck the colonizers. I'll name them, bro. I'm, I'm happy to name them. Just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to catch no heat for Chris or anything. Like, I'm happy to name and shame and t- chop people's heads off. But fuck the colonizers. Keep doing what you're doing and, and just remember everything. It's all about love, man. It's all love. I appreciate you, man. Feelings mutual. Um, all right, bro. I'll catch all right, up peace. with you. Um, all right. Um, peace, peace, peace. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. No. You see, you, you say you say our show is raw, spontaneous. That's what we do, bro. I love that shit. He's a good dude. <laughs> you and I had um we had a conversation once, and I tell you, when we spoke about this, I had to go and sit with what you said. <laughs> like when I say bro, I had to sit, meditate. I was <laughs> levitating, bro. Like we were talking about um pop smoke. Yeah. Bro, I'ma tell you something. I don't really I don't really mess with drill. I'm a bit ignorant in it. I need to do my homework. But when I heard niggas say they outside, I was like, what is this? <laughs> it was like, do you know in Fresh Prince when um, Will gave Carlton the black book and he started oh, glowing? Was. <laughs> I was like, what? Niggas say they outside. Niggas say they outside. I'm like, oh my day. Christopher Walken was like, oh my God. This is incredible. Yeah, yeah. The energy. And I remember speaking to Kaiser and Kaiser explained why I love Pop Smoke so much. He said two things. His energy is like 50 cent. It's like that old. Yeah, massively. When I see you, I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> I like the energy. And he, we call it old school badness. It's not one of those things where, you know, we're just going to back and forth and talk, 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 talk. It's when I see you, I'm going to do something to you. <laughs> and I appreciate that energy, even though I'm a peaceful man. And I, I'll never forget when Pop Smoke died, bro. <sighs> bro, it bothered me. Yeah, me too. A lot. It, it let me just turn off turn off my alerts and that. Hold on. I thought I turned it off. Do not disturb. Come on. Apple Watch. Come on. All right. Until tomorrow morning. I don't want to hear from nobody. Yeah, it hurt. Like it did it hurt me. Like it was just it was just like uh like I, I remember I did like a feature like that that uh, the artists who are gonna dominate the twenty twenties, like January that year, and then like he just part uh, it it's just sad. Like I was trying to interview Pop Smoke as well, like um and I was upset. I just felt like I hadn't heard a voice that unique in a long time. Like, it was like, wow. Do you know what I mean? But why, why? Okay. You might not, you might not be able to say why, but this whole thing about rappers dying young, it's bothering me because I think it's a state of cultural emergency. Yeah. I, I think it's easy to say something's got to be done, but it's too much now. Like it's way too much, you know, Mo3, King Von, Pop Smoke, yeah, and there's yeah. a list of them, like dying before they have their moment. Like, I still feel funny about Big L. I feel I, it doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. Like, as a, as a music journalist, 
What do you have to say about the 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 the, the amount of young rappers just passing away, and how they're subsequently just kind of immortalized and seen as as a product in this RIP economy, if I can call it that. Yeah, RIP economy is a good way of putting it. I think um, I think what we've got to think of here is America is in the grips of a, a opioid crisis and. Um, hip hop in many ways is kind of like the the voice of that of that of that cultural pain like of that of that mass issue and i feel like artists like little peep juice world um they kind of like um took on a lot a lot of that of that hurt that i guess that generation had um but i i i think the problem with the drug side and we'll get into the pop pop what happened with pop smoke but i think um I'm just trying to articulate my thoughts good here, but I think the problem with the drug the drug side is the labels sometimes like push the idea that in order to be a legendary rock star, you have to live life on their edge. Um, and like these artists give us constant reminders that they're hurting. They tell us there's a Juice World song. I'm not going to make make it past 21. There's a little peep, hundreds of little peep songs where he talks directly about like taking so many drugs that he'll kill himself. Yet, it's just like, we want more, more, more from you. And it's like, you know, there's a bit, it's a business transaction. And I do feel like there is an an understanding among certain labels that like, I don't know, like at the board level of like, if this artist dies well, they're prolific and they actually might be worth quite a lot to us dead. So they're not stepping in and helping. Um, I remember there was a, who was that terrible rapper who had that Gucci Gang song? What the fuck was he? Little Pump. Little Pump. Yeah, that that little fucking. Idiot. I really shouldn't know this stuff. <laughs> I shouldn't know it. Like. Um, no, Little Pump had his first mixtape's quite fun, but um, he had this music video where he's like instructing like a, a classroom of kids how to take lean, and that was like put out by like a major label. So it's like you can see. Do you know what I mean? You can see, and it's like on on the Pop Smoke side, it's like. Again, they encourage that that violent lifestyle. Like, they're not giving artists protection. Like, I just wonder if like that gang would have been able to like get through Ariana Grande's like mansion. Like, where's like where's the yeah. where's the security? Like, like and where's the outrage? Like, if Ariana Grande got shot at twenty, man, like fuck me, there'd probably be like more flowers in the street than Princess Diana. But Pop Smoke. Is 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 barely a uh, barely on the front homepage. So it's like on some level there's a there's a less of a respect, I guess, for like young black lives. And I think labels see, you know, that they might be connected with the street. King Von was paying probably fifty people's rent. Like like I've sort read an interview where he said something like that. Like the label. You know why? You know why that that one bothered me as well. Yeah, he was on the cusp. I'm not going to say I was the biggest fan of his music. I know very little. Yeah. But I looked at it, like a lot of people saying, oh, you know, King Von's dead or, you know, we're not going to get any more music. And I was looking at how many people had an opportunity yeah. to leave that who may have been employed by him or, you know, security jobs or, you know, management and just working with him and for him that now may have to go back. Yeah. Yeah, to that life as a result of him not being around anymore. It's tragic, bro. It's tragic. We're losing a lot of icons early. And it's like, you know, whatever you think, like, 
I kind of know like this is a this is the kind of podcast where um, the people who listen have a real deep appreciation for like cool G rap rhyme schemes, and I love that shit. But to this era, like Little Peep, Juice World, Triple X, Tentacion, th- these are like the gods to kids today. That's their gods. Like even if like you don't like the music, we have to respect that it's. Do you know what I mean? It's made that impact, and it's it's just sad because they're all artists who would have continued to dominate the cultural landscape, but we'll never get a chance to see it. Like, and I hate how it's just like, oh, you know, I don't know. There's not enough anger at, at at the music industry for not protecting artists. That's what I would say. I really love your behind the beat series. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> You spoke to one of my, my, like Buckwild, like one of my okay. favorites. <laughs> like, I'm I'm gonna send you my Buckwild playlist because I don't think anyone can test it. Oh, so, um, man, I'd love to. It's funny because his manager made a playlist with every song he's ever produced on. I got, oh, that's so good. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna send you some. You probably heard them, but I've got this Buckwild uh, remix compilation with some of the unreleased stuff and some of the lesser known stuff. So I'll send it to you. Oh. But I love the um the Lucini one as well. Like, you just seem to pick the songs. That I really, really love. Like, if if God came from the sky and said, "Tom, <laughs> you can do a behind the beat with any producer on any song," what would it be, <laughs> and why? And why? Why is the key question? I'd have to get Kanye. Like, I just have to get Kanye, and um, I would talk to him about um, "This Can't Be Life" by uh, Beanie Siegel and. Oof. And Scarface, and Scarface, and, and Jay Z, and <laughs> and bro, I, I feel I feel chilled. Ooh. because yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I miss you by um by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes and Teddy Pendergrass. Like that song just like hits me in a different way. And like the way Kanye flipped that sample for me was just beautiful. And like I just 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 I don't know. Tra- the word transcendent is overused, but like I, I think. That was transcendent, and yeah, Kanye is like probably like my dream interview period. Mm. But, uh, yeah, man, now probably be or like I don't know, like Dr. Dre maybe like on on like explosive. <laughs> you know what? I got a confession to make, man. Yeah, what? I, I never liked that song. Oh, really? I love. Yeah, beat. I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. It's not that it's a bad song. I, you know, I listen. If I tell you some of the songs I I, I don't like or I didn't like at one point, you'd say, Chris, you are you your your ear is shot. <laughs> Banned from TV, hated it. Oh man, it. I didn't love that either. <laughs> no, listen, banned from TV, I still don't like Rough Riders Anthem. Rest in peace, DMX. Yeah, rest no, in peace. No, ultimate salutations for that man. But um, yeah, Explosive, I'm not really... But I, you know what? If you write about it, it might make me like it because oh, you're that good of a writer. Does that make sense? Thank, so yeah. Thank you, man. But no, I'd love that. And just thank you for saying that because... It just goes back to what I said earlier. Like, I just want to like write about these songs as really important 21st century history and really embed them in the voices of the producer because the producer so often is left out of the the story that's left um, behind and it's seen too much through the artist. And I just felt like when sometimes when you speak to the people behind, um, you know, behind the glass, like where the artist is rapping, like their reflections in a way are more sharp like because they've got an overview and uh, that that for me is what's really important it's about like when they heard that sample when Cool and Dre heard that 
um, Tramp's rubber band sample for the like first time. How did it make them feel? Like, why did they decide to flip that? Um, so a lot of it for me is about showing that lineage because I feel like that lineage is getting lost a little bit. I feel like like a lot of people don't care about it so much anymore. Um, um, in ways like I don't know, like I maybe I'm I'm living in the past, but I remember that it was a whole phase of like rappers who were just like yeah don't care about biggie like i don't want to listen to a biggie verse it's boring all that stuff is it, it, that that was shit for me like and i just think like it's important to honor like the lineage the people that came before and mm. this, this series i guess all about that and just yeah thank you for your support and i hope everyone else like, who's listening checks it out as well no it was dope i really i really liked the fact that you picked hate it or love it because that was what that's like 15 16 years ago now and i still think I think 50 Cent's verse on there, it was it was quite introspective. Yeah. But I think because of his playful delivery, his voice, it went over some people's heads and they didn't really catch it. And I think that song has got this almost, uh, it's got like a mythical yeah. legend to it. Because I don't, I don't think they've ever performed it live. I don't think so either, no. I don't think they have. Um, it's just got a bit of a kind of like, what's going on, Marvin Gaye felt like, just, just like it's just the perfect, social statement like it just yeah yeah it's a perfect song i think perfect soulful and it's like for me it was like why did 50 cent rap like that and had he not heard that sample and you know those horns which just like spark nostalgia instantly like like would 50 cent have, have, have gone to that place so i think that's always interesting like because the rapper often is just responding to what the beat um lights up inside of them um and i guess my job is to try and explain like what that light looks like it's a it, it would be a cultural a cultural moment if they ever perform that song oh be big together like i had this weird idea if they did a verses and perform that to close it would be crazy i hope they do it but i definitely feel like 50 cent is one of the Oh, he's King Petty, bro. I think he's one of the best rappers ever. Like, I really do. And people might laugh at me for saying that, but... No, I don't. I, I, I hold him in high regard. Oh, high regard. Oh, so influential, man. Like, just, like, a lot of UK rappers, like Jay Huss as well, took a lot from 50 Cent. And I just think... They're great albums. Like, The Massacre, Get Rich or Die Trying, like, those mixtapes that came before it. Mm. They're great. We're seeing, we're seeing, um, we're seeing a lot of Fifty Cent's influence now, like Schoolboy Q. Yeah. Um, you know, Pop Smoke. Yeah, and just, and just with Fifty, it's like because he rapped a lot about wealth and money. Um, I always remember people like he raps about money a lot. Like it's not as lyrical as Z on I. (laughs) And it's like I don't know. To me, it's like Fifty Cent came from fucking nothing. Like him rapping about money is a great thing there was just a lot of misconceptions around that but what annoys me about that is like it seems to me that when black artists rap about wealth and affluence it rubs some people the wrong way like jay-z got a lot of those criticisms too and i'm like well what's the problem yeah yeah exactly 100 percent. what is the problem here if someone grows up in poverty if your name is brian birdman williams you've grown up in new orleans in poverty and you want to rap about your diamond chain why is it a problem? Exactly. And he's, he's, Greedo said to me, um, he's like, I've been living in trash bags. Like, I, I was homeless. Like, why, you know, people need to see me drive a $400,000 $400, sports car because, you know, they need to see that one of them has made it. Like, and it's like, it's, it's just, I don't know, people don't always take the time to really consider 
where the, that boast about money comes from. And um, yeah, 50 Cent got a lot of hate. Like I, I remember there was a video, I could be wrong about this, but he was playing at one of those crusty fucking shit. It might be the Leeds Festival. I don't know what it was. And it was just all these like, like white metal heads, like in Britain, like throwing like bottles of piss at 50 Cent. And, it, and, and he got a lot of hate. But now I think we, we're starting to see that 50 Cent was iconic. One last thing about 50 is like, I, I never got the criticism because I, I remember saying to someone, I'm like, 50 Cent told you who he was from the beginning. His first album was called Power of the Dollar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get Rich or Die Trying. He's told you his intention. Yeah. Like, why are you so shocked? Yeah. But if, if a black man rapping about wealth and money offends you more than a black man saying he will shoot another black man and kill them, then I think there's a big problem. Oh, there is a problem. And I'd love to read a piece like from you like about it because... Nah, bro. I, 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 listen, thing, I, 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 I will lose people. I will lose people. people. Don't know though. Like, 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 kinetic is a is a great. Like, they know he's a great writer because he raps well. But I'm telling you, he's a great writer as well. So, like, I appreciate that. I'm working. I'm working on a, a few things that I might need your help with. But yeah. just before we wrap up the interview, I'm going to read another one of your messages. I'm, I'm putting your business out here. Right? <laughs> it's okay. Because 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 you're you're my man now. You're my man. You wrote they are like moths who want to get close to the light but they aren't capable of understanding why it shines the way it does. Now, first of all, that is immaculate wordplay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that pen game right there, yeah? When I read that, I had to put my phone down and go for a walk, bruv. It was epic, bruv. What does that mean? What I don't like is that it is it's kind of what I, what I spoke a bit about earlier when music journalists almost kind of like feel like they're as big as the people they write about and they carry this energy like they're very like, important um and you know i love lots of music journalists like the majority of music journalists i'm friends of a lot of music journalists like all the editors i work with i love like but 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 there are certain people who like almost like they're on twitter like it's a school playground and really like to to the point where they just carry themselves like they've got a number one single it's like when you've got too much self-importance it gets in the way of being able to capture that artist, you're getting in the way. And it's like, yeah, what I mean by moths who want to get close to the light, it's like they see the light of the people they cover, the industry, and they want a piece of it. And they do everything they can to to to, to get that piece. But like, like they're, they're not artists. Like, like, yeah, I'm not saying that journal, journalism doesn't have talent. I'm not saying like storytelling is not involved, but like, don't walk into a room um, like your mad lib, like, like you just don't, <laughs> just don't do it. Like, like, because I just don't respect you if you do that. Like, I just don't because, because, it, because it, I don't know. Like, I just, I just think it's gone too far. I think social media has empowered this kind of like social currency. It's like everyone wants to get as much social currency change <laughs> as they can. And manufacturing uh, personalities and yeah, you know, yeah. brand persona, Ooh. like be a human being in it. All of it. And it's like, for me, it's like, I just want to switch out. I just, I just, I just hope people can see that, like, like I'm, I'm doing everything I can to write. I'm immersing myself. Like I'm almost killing myself writing these articles in all honesty. And I'm putting everything into it. And I want to get to a point where my social media is just articles. Like I, I, that, that's what I want to aim for because I just don't like all of this stuff. I don't like, I don't like the kind of pompousness of it. Like I don't, um, 
I don't like the, the personal branding. I think a lot of it comes from influencer culture. Like, I feel like a lot of it is kind of passed in. Um, but like, there's no doubt we're in an era where you can get a book deal because you're friends with the right people on Twitter. And I, I just don't think that was the case in the 60s and 70s. Like, I'm sure there was nepotism, but like, there's also like, it's like, you have to be really fucking good. And now sometimes it's just like, you're very loud and you give the impression that like, you're like, in with all these um, people or whatever. And it's it's not even a subliminal about against anyone in particular. It's more just like avoid that at all costs because when you start to go down that line, you start to become a pastiche. You start to become someone that takes yourself way too seriously. And artists pick up on that. If you walk in a room and you give off this impression that you're someone... I just feel like a lot of artists are, can see that and it's like, I never want to give that impression. I just want to just give the impression that I, I really love the music and I'm just a normal person. Like, I don't want to give the impression like, oh, you know, I'm I'm friends with this person or like, um, you know, I'm clicked up. Like, I don't want to be friends with anyone. If I become friends with artists or other journalists naturally, then that's fantastic. But like, I'm not going to like go out of my way to do it to try and then climb... I, I don't know. Like I'm, 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 I'm tired. I'm sorry if I'm not making sense, but that would be no. Me. It makes it makes total sense because I'm in the same space as you, bro. Yeah, I'm in this. I'm in the same. I'm in the same space. As you. I'm. I'm just, just do good work. Yeah, and just do you know all the extra stuff. If that's what floats your boat, that's cool. But I, I choose to opt out of all of that stuff. Yeah, and you I, know maybe maybe it will hinder me in the future. We did you know from the whole social currency aspect of things. But you know I, I am who I am. And I just need to operate in a way that I can thrive and be comfortable at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't want to give the impression, like, there's so many music journalists I, I admire and adore. Like, I love Paul Thompson stuff. I love Tom Bryan stuff. Jeff Wise, Dean Van Leeuwen, Christina Lee, Gary Suarez, Fiona Stead, My guy, my guy. Yes. Craig Davies, Jesse Bernard, um, Yemi, Omar, Musa, Sam Davis, like, like exit the face it's chambers co-host there jason burford like david marr paris lees like um there's just there's just a lot of people that are doing like really 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 good work like tara joshi like there's, there's there's a lot of people out there that are doing work like, i really 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 respect um but uh, i i think what's good about all those writers is they have faith in their own voice and it's like if if you're if you're trying too much to like come across like i don't know like why do people want to be friends with rappers i don't understand this need to give off the this impression um bro i can i can i can tell you why but you know what it's it's not even about anyone in particular but it's like uh, for me it's just like you don't need to do that like if it happens you've answered you answered your own question earlier it's social currency bro like me like you said you you've never you're not a cool guy i disagree but okay let's just (laughs) for argument's sake let's run with that i've been cool my whole life right socially awkward yes but i've been cool my whole life i had my own page in the school yearbook (laughs) like i'm a legend out here you understand what i'm saying i was voted funniest guy in the year most popular male second most likely to succeed I sang, I sang a solo at the Royal Albert Hall, 2,000 people, no, was it? no, 200 people went for the audition. I didn't go. They called my school and gave me the part. Do you know who I am, yeah. right? I'm an OG and you will address me as such. <laughs> However, some people have never had that. They're not cool people. They're not cool people. And 
you know, I think for a lot of what you're seeing now, I'm jaded because I've been in the industry. Yeah, for a while, yeah. For a while. So, you know, once upon a time, and, I, and I'm going to pluck a name out there. I might, I remember one time I saw Torre and Jay Live. And I went mad. I was like, oh my God, Torre, Jay Live. Oh, have oh, you got your albums? If I saw them now, it'd probably be like a head nod, respect, exactly. love what you do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think some people are, are excited to be here. And that's coming out in their in their actions, and you know, yeah, people course. want their they want their interviews, they want their favors, yeah. they want they want to they want to be seen. It's important to them, and if that's important to you, that's cool. But it's I don't think it's too much of it, and I don't want no parts of it. Personally. Yeah, I, I just think it goes back to what I said before. Like, I I I love what I do. Like, I love the editors that I work with. I love all those writers, and more. Like, I, I could just list like probably loads loads more. Like Will Pritchard, like. I uh, like Zing, like there's just so many people, but um, I think I love all those people because they have their own voice and they're not trying to like to hop hop onto something else or like or like I don't know, like just just trying really, really, really hard to like appear like you're the top dog of something. I just don't get the competitiveness because it's like if you've got your own voice and you've got your own body of work it doesn't matter what anybody else says or does and where where i've got upset at points is i feel like i i built everything that i've got from a really low starting base frankly and i see people who i know have had it easier who get infinite more amounts of like that like we said that social currency and respect and there was a time where like it drove me mad i was like I've literally just put 50 hours of research into this piece and it's got like seven retweets. And I've just, I've read this other article and it's basically just rewriting the bio that the label sent out and it's got like 400. And that kind of stuff used to, and all the people within a second of it getting posted, best article ever. And that stuff used to really upset me. But like, I think what I've learned is just to switch off from it completely. Don't let it bring you down. Um, but, but, and just try and be the opposite of it. And, Mm-hmm. And hopefully, with time, like people will um, will appreciate will appreciate that. Like, like even if they don't, like who gives a shit anyway? Like, so yeah, I'm just trying to like be um, be better with it all. <laughs> yeah, no, and um, just so you know, we're gonna wrap up, bro. But like, not just from from me, but we we here at Breaking Atoms, we love what you do. And I'm not just saying this; I'm saying it publicly because I have a thing. You know, sometimes when you do good work and, you know, people may call and text and you appreciate it. Yeah. But I think there's so much value in in the spoken word and saying, you know what, we appreciate someone publicly because it's about spreading the good work that people do. So just want to say how much we, we really appreciate you. And like I said, just from a personal perspective, um, just talking to you has done so much in terms of just, you know, my um, feeling that I still have a place here. Oh, in man. the culture because because i struggled for, i struggled like even as a podcaster bro i'm like people don't want to hear no some people don't want to hear no black man talk about rap music because it's it's not edgy it's not niche you know yeah but you know with all due respect tarquin from essex can come and talk about mo steph and he'll get on tv and yeah. they'll be asking him his opinion about stuff the feeling is completely mutual man like i respect the hell out of you and respect bro like like and the show and yeah like i um yeah you trust me like if you're listening to this to this guy like interview um someone from the wu-tang clan he's put the research in he's like he's done everything you can think of to make that interview good um so support 
um, support the show. Like both these guys do that. Support it, yeah. Appreciate you, bro. And um, we're going to be doing some work together soon. I've got I've yeah, got some ideas, but we'll definitely talk about it off the mic, man. Thomas Hobbs is in the building, even though he's going. He's still in the building. He's in your phone. He's in your device. And he's out here writing some good things. So please follow him on social media. I'll put all the details in the episode notes and support good writing. Free, free greeter, free greeter. No, of course, of course, of course. I don't know what he did, but I'm going to say it anyway because I trust you. Because you know sometimes they say free certain people and then you look at what they did, you're like, you know what, I don't know, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure, but no. Free Greedo. Free Greedo <laughs> because Tom says free Greedo, so I'm, I'm on that train. Free Greedo. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed this. Shout out to Thomas for joining me on the pod. He said to me in private that he won't be doing any more interviews because he wants to focus on his writing. So if this was his last interview, I'm glad that it was on Breaking Atoms. Make sure you follow him at T Hobbs Journal. That's T-H-O-B-B-S-J-O-U-R-N-O on Twitter. And tell him that you like the way he uses words. I am sure he'll appreciate it. As usual, we are on the socials. You can find us at Break the Atoms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Summit is at Hip Hop Chronicle, and you can find me at I Am Kinetic across this whole internet thing. We'll be back next week with more banter for those that are equally as fed up with rankings and inaccurate information as I am. Till next time, peace. <laughs>